Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing the pause button to Edge Got In to your mind, your will, and your emotions. Our mission at Edge Got In is to champion your human potential in Christ. You can visit us at edgegotin.com for today's readings, as well as some other support resources, including a one sheet that you can print out to capture today's learnings, as well as some questions on how can you apply the learnings from today's podcast. We recently, and are very excited about the launch just uh, recently, very recently, of the six-week study guide. Emotional Intelligence in Christ six-week study guide is now available. You can find it on Amazon and and other places, perhaps. Uh, When you Google it, uh, six-week study guide, Emotional Intelligence in Christ six-week study guide. And you can also visit us at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. Our mission statement at Emotional Intelligence in Christ is to create learning systems that lead to the experience of God's love. That's really our desire behind it with God's guidance, which empower individuals or you personally to manage your emotions and behaviors in a way that glorifies God. The definition of emotional intelligence in Christ is the activation of the Holy Spirit within you to help you. Can't do this alone. Those emotions get very, very large sometimes within our earth suit. The Holy Spirit can help us to be able to discern and manage our personal emotions and behaviors in a way that honors God by loving others well, as Jesus did. Today's topic is entitled, Don't Waste Your Suffering. So perhaps you can relate to that today. Suffering has many different phases to it. There's mental suffering, emotional suffering, physical suffering, spiritual suffering. And within those four buckets, there's many different areas of suffering within each one of those areas, whether it be mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual. So come as you are today. What is it for you that is creating some form of discomfort, some form of suffering? And perhaps it's suffering that comes from an undesirable outcome. You expected one thing and another thing showed up. So there are lots of different expressions and situations that lead us into the desert land of suffering. Good news, my friends. With every storm, Jesus comes to. God does his greatest work in the midst of suffering. Our learning objective today at the end of today's podcast is that you will learn from three biblical accounts of how God does not waste suffering, as well as to consider how you can use your suffering for a greater good. I'm going to begin by sharing a specific story from my own journey that actually is has moved me and continually moved me to reflect on suffering and how to flip it for God's glory. And then we'll get into the scriptures. Let's jump in in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sweet Jesus, you know all about suffering. I continually stand in awe 
of your ability to not only use suffering for your glory, but to bring about a greater good than had the suffering not even taken place. Thank you, Father God, that you are sovereign over every moment of suffering, every tear we have shed. Lord God, you know it. You've captured it. And you meet us in the eye of the storm. Thank you that we're not alone in this earth school experience. Give us the grace to remember what our soul always knows. All things are possible with you in our lives, including having the strength to carry the crosses that come our way. And it's no shocker to you, Lord, for all of our days have been ordained beforehand, before one of them takes place, as we're told in the Proverbs. Thank you, Jesus, that you're in charge. So come once again, Master Physician, Master Healer, and heal our broken hearts. Heal our confused minds. Give us the grace to get off the stage of the dramas that spin us into unnecessary emotional suffering. Help us to remember whose we are, who we are, and why our heart continues to be. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's jump in, my friends. So these are this this study, as I mentioned, is coming from my own personal journey through suffering, not only my own, but also my witnessing of suffering from people that I care about in my own life. Back in 2006, I was diagnosed with advanced cancer, and perhaps some of you are aware of this story if you've been listening to the podcast long enough. I'm pretty confident you are aware of this story. And when I was diagnosed back in 2006, it happened one week prior to my final divorce court date. For me, I thought I was at the top of my game, physically speaking. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. Um, I ate healthy foods, and yet I was dying inside, emotionally as well as physically. So perhaps you can relate to that on some level today. Maybe it's not cancer for you, but it could be metaphorically some form of cancer that is eating away life within you. Either way, God is with you. And he does his greatest work in the eye of the storm. From my experience, I've never been left empty-handed, even after two years of chemo, six weeks of daily radiation, 14 surgeries due to third-degree burns on my chest. They had to graft my back onto my front. So perhaps you've heard my joke. <laughs> I don't know if I'm coming or going most days. God is good. I had a MRSA staph infection. Went through the experience of uh, darkness. Mentally. Darkness. Spiritually emotionally, and acute pain physically during those two years, an additional three years with the other treatment that they added on. So it was five years total during that time. 
the double mastectomy caused a lot of nerve pain. I still work through, by God's grace, Charlie horses that go from the middle of my chest all the way around my back, the, basically the line of where they pulled my lat muscle around. When that happens, it feels like I'm having a heart attack. It just happened the other day. And again, with every storm Jesus comes to, I still have a minor uh, tremor that comes and goes. Even with that, God continually shows up and helps me through that as well. I share this in the beginning of today's podcast because there was one particular moment in the midst of the suffering journey that God led me through. And it was a really powerful experience. I remember it was after the double after the double mastectomy, after I've lost my hair, my eyebrows, my eyelashes. And I was in a position um, where I didn't see a lot of options. I was worried about leaving my three children, eight, 10, and 12 at the time without a mom. And so Satan had a heyday with that thought, slithering in at night and um, tormenting my, my mind in that area many times. So a good friend of mine invited me to go down and see the the nuns that Mother, Mother Teresa had left here as a gift to Denver. And and so so even though I, I, I could barely walk at the time, I was moved by the Holy Spirit once again. The Holy Spirit within us gives us victory over our, our emotions, our fears, our doubts. And I went down and met with Sister Rosalie, and she had actually worked side by side with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. I shared with her my story through some tears, expressed to her my fears of leaving my children without a mom, and some setbacks that they had found since the beginning um, diagnosis, and I just laid it all out there. And I'll never forget, it seemed like it was a long pause, and she took a deep breath, and all four feet of her looked up at me through her habit, the blue and white habit that she was wearing. And she took her little finger and pointed it up at me and, and said, don't waste your suffering. Lift it up for the sake of salvation of souls. I got into a conversation with her that lasted probably about a half an hour, but it changed my life forever. She shared with me during that, the rest of the conversation, pulling it through because I my response was, what does that mean? Don't waste your suffering. Lift it for the sake of salvation of souls. And she said, when your suffering increases, guide it into a passionate prayer as you consider your brothers and sisters who are suffering around the world, even worse crucibles than your own. I took that to heart. And when I went back to my house, and the nerve pain was really intense that night. I remember practicing, just jumping in, remembering her words, don't waste your suffering. Use it for the sake of salvation of souls. So I started to pray into my pain. Rather than running from it, I leaned into it with her invitation and God's strength. And I experienced a miraculous shift from the intensity of the pain to the focus on God and others. And as soon as I did that, 
the intensity of what I was experiencing was lifted. It's very true, my friends, when we're invited to die to ourselves, take up our cross and follow Christ, something miraculous happens. We begin to think less of ourselves, which humility, as C.S. Lewis says, it's not to think of yourself less, but to think of your, not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. And when that happens in that prayer, of lifting up the suffering you're going through for the sake of someone else that's suffering. Relief floods within the soul because we're following the example of Christ who laid down his life for us. Hebrews chapter 12 is a great first four scriptures that gives us insight into Jesus' experience with suffering on the cross. You are therefore surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. Throw it off. Because we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You are not alone in your suffering today whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual, mental, or all of the above. God is with you. So bring it to the foot of the cross and consider him, verse 3, Hebrews chapter 12, who endured such opposition from sinful man so that there's always a reason, there's always a purpose. God doesn't waste suffering. So that, consider him, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin. For you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I often thought of that as I was going through all of the treatments and radiation surgeries, chemo, and the mental and emotional anguish that I felt as well going through the loss of my marriage at that time. I thought of Jesus on the cross and what he endured. So that's a very powerful place to start. If you're looking for some scriptures, four of them, first four, four to five scriptures of Hebrews 12, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you endurance from that space where Jesus was. Consider him, think on him. That means meditate on what he went through so that you do not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin, against, against the, the suffering. The suffering that produces worry, fear, self-doubt. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. James 1, 2 through 4 is the next step that I invite you to explore. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Pure joy whenever you go through any kind of hardship or difficulty. For if by faith you succeed in these trials, you are left with the ability to endure or to persevere. He goes on to say, so that, 
I'm asking you to do this so that God always asks us to do something so that, and it's so that he's bringing glory to his name, saving souls, spreading his message of love, the gospel of truth. There's always a bigger picture in it. I invite you to step out of the smallness of minute laser focus on the actual pain and to expand it as Sister Rosalie invited me to do so, not to waste it. So James says, consider it pure joy when all kinds of trials come your way. For if by faith you succeed these trials, you're left with the ability to endure or persevere. So it's not wasted. God does not waste suffering so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. My friends, know this, God adores you. He sees what you're going through. He also desires to bring about a greater good than had whatever it is that you're facing today. Not even happened. Just know that that's his work. That's his greatest work. He brings about a greater good than had that person not said that ugly comment to you. He brings about a greater good than had you not get that, gotten that desired outcome. And that door was closed. God is always in the business of multiplying what you bring him, even if it's a crumb of a piece of bread or a half-eaten fish. God multiplies it for his glory if we allow him to do so. So when we have the courage to go within, 2 Timothy 1.7, he didn't give us a spirit of timidity. That's the cancer conqueror's mindset. And whatever your cancer is, something that's eating up life within you that he didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so don't waste your suffering. Let's look at three accounts from the scriptures. And this is the introduction to don't waste your suffering. I'm going to be inter introducing other people who have gone through the eye of the storm of suffering. And you're going to be able to listen and hear their accounts in this series, Don't Waste Your Suffering, of how God allowed them to be led by him through their surrender and trust. Surrender and trust. That's the one thing that we're called to do. Believe, surrender, trust. Believe, surrender, trust. And the greater good that God brought out in their testimony. For today, we're going to start with the scriptures. And there are numerous accounts that give witness to the fact that God does not waste our suffering. Let's start with Genesis. In Genesis, we encounter Noah. Now, God made a covenant with Noah after he flooded the earth, and literally any living thing was, was removed, <laughs> lost their life, except for Noah and his family, and two of all the animals that God moved to be on the boat. So we're looking at Genesis here, and we find Genesis chapters 7 through 9, verse 13. Noah suffered when God gave him this calling. And many times when we are given a calling, suffering comes along with it. Perhaps it's dying to the ego, edging God out. Perhaps it's uh, suffering that comes from not knowing. That causes a lot of mental suffering. When we really want to know something and we're waiting for something, 
there's suffering in the wait. So lift that up. If you're going, if you're in a period of waiting for something to happen that you really want to happen, it's not happening fast enough. That's a form of suffering. Noah suffered in toil, labor, possible ridicule, surrounded by evil and slander. And his trust and perseverance and patience resulted in a new beginning. God was grieved from the evil in the hearts of mankind. Verse 5. Every inclination of the thoughts of man were evil. He grieved that. God grieved that. Perhaps you can experience that same kind of suffering or have experienced that same kind of suffering as you witness evil around you, unjust situations, as you witness um, evil and all the different forms of ugly behavior. People ridiculing other people, people beating on other people, whatever it is, that creates suffering in our own hearts. Don't waste it. Tune it into, turn it into a powerful prayer as quickly as possible. Lord, I do not understand why this is happening. And I thank you that you're in charge. So I surrender this to you, um, this evil that I'm witnessing around me. Use it as you did for Noah. You, you actually created a greater good than had all that suffering and the loss of lives. God used it for a greater good to start again, but also to create a covenant of the rainbow. Never again will I do this again. God's promises. Chapter 9, verse 13. It also says in verse 8, Noah found favor in God's eyes in spite of the evil that was going on around that around him. God had favor on Noah's life. As a result of that, he gave him the strength to be able to build that honking ark. And it was huge. <laughs> there's there's a place in America, I can't remember where it is, but they built the same uh, the same measurements of what the ark was built in Noah's time when Noah built it with the same exact measurements so that you can actually see the magnitude of the size of this ark. Lots of suffering and toil went into building that. And there was no rain at the time. So you can imagine the ridicule that he was going under, but yet he continued to move ahead. As a result of that, of that, God started a new beginning with mankind. And he also made a covenant. I'm never going to do that again. Let's move to Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery. By his brothers, he was abandoned, thrown into a pit, and he continued to trust God and do good. That was the one thing that in spite of the suffering, Joseph continued to trust God and do good. So whatever it is for you, those two things, trust God and do good. Genesis 37, Joseph is abandoned by his brothers. He's rejected and abused by his brothers. He's, he had broken promises. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife for basically raping her. And he didn't do it. So that to me, personally, we all have our, our tipping point, but to be unjustly accused when you're wanting to live a life of integrity and excellence and someone unjustly accuses you, he was thrown into prison for it. He was found guilty. That's huge suffering, my friends, mentally and emotionally. So perhaps today you're feeling unjustly accused about something. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you toward resolution, as well as to give you the grace to be able to have the faith, the trust, the surrender that Joseph had. When you're going through a difficult time, look for accounts in the scripture 
that relate to what you're going through because the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword and it will cut through all of the lies that Satan tries to plant when you're uncomfortable with something that's going on in your life. So perhaps you have broken promises. You feel rejected or abused. Joseph experienced all of that. Verse 39 too, in spite of all of this, Joseph had the presence of the Lord with him and he prospered him in the midst of suffering. That's the hand of God. Again, his greatest gift to us is not that we're not going to experience suffering. His greatest gift to us is that he brings about a greater good than had the suffering not even taken place. Imagine if we truly believe this, the ramification of the courage within our hearts to head into the storm of suffering and lean in. Even if it's like, I don't even understand why this is happening. And I've said that before, and it's okay because you do. Carry me through this, Lord. So Joseph experienced being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, was thrown into prison. It says the Lord was with him, even in that situation. Genesis 39, verses 20 through 21. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so he was put in charge of everything that was going on in the prison. Verse 23, the Lord gave Joseph success in whatever he did. So there was a chief cupbearer that told Joseph his dream. And he asked for him to remember him. And he actually forgot him when he got out and was freed. So perhaps you're feeling forgotten today. Someone made a promise, didn't keep it. Someone overlooked you. You've worked really hard. God sees your efforts, and he adores you. You're not alone in this. Continue to trust. Pray for the heart of Joseph. Give me the grace, Lord, because I feel imprisoned in my own body today. I feel misunderstood, overlooked, unseen. Help me, Lord, in this prison to know that I know that you haven't forgotten me. And that whatever I do will succeed eventually. Give me patience for that. So chapter 41, Pharaoh chose Joseph to interpret his dreams. And it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful read, reading through um, Joseph in, in the book of Genesis toward uh, chapter 39, 38, 39, 40, 41. Incredible story. And it's a good one to keep reading again and again, particularly if you are going through suffering and, and just highlight all of the ways that Joseph suffered and continued to trust God and do good. He did good in prison. He was a man of virtue, integrity. People trusted him. And God's favor was on him as a result of that. So that word got out. Pharaoh chose Joseph to interpret his dreams. And in chapter 45, Joseph makes himself known. Uh to his brothers because his brothers come back into the scene and there was reconciliation and, and uh, a repaired relationship. God didn't waste the suffering. He actually used the suffering to put Joseph in a position to save his family during a time of drought and famine. And God was able to use the position 
that he put Joseph in for a greater good, and he continues to do that for us. He does not waste suffering. Joseph continued to trust. His family comes back into the picture along with his brother and his father. Do not be distressed and angry with yourselves for selling me here. This is Joseph's response in Genesis chapter 45, 5. Don't be angry, brothers, or upset with yourself that you basically threw me into a ditch and I was sold into slavery and I was falsely accused. Because it was to this point and this purpose to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. This is what Joseph said. There was a bigger purpose. So my friends, whatever it is you're going through today, suffering of the mind, of the emotions, of the body, of the spirit, take heart. God is using this for a greater good. Continually pray for deliverance as well as for a strength within you to continue to trust no matter what, that God's doing a greater good than you can possibly understand. So our third our third story, we have Noah, we have Joseph, we have Esther. So Esther was an orphan, Esther 2.7. She was raised by Mordecai, her uncle, who is from the tribe of Benjamin, by the way. King Xerxes was the king at the time. His queen basically was rebellious against him, and so he was looking for another queen. Esther was the one that he picked out of all the virgins placed before him. Esther didn't reveal her nationality because Mordecai told her not to at that time. As the story unfolds in the book of Esther, and if you haven't read the book of Esther, it's an incredible um, book, and, and noticed all of the different places where suffering was occurring among the Israelites, among Esther's people, when they were told that um, Haman was against them. And so he created a, uh, a coup kind of against them that they would all be murdered. You know, let's basically a Holocaust. Let's take, take them all out behind uh, the back of King Zerk. Xerxes. King Xerxes gave him authority, didn't realize what he was doing behind the scenes. He was very conniving, and he wanted to kill all of the Jews. Mordecai refused to bow down before him, and that come, came against Mordecai, Esther's uncle. And basically, Mordecai declares at one point in chapter four to Esther, who knows, but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this for such a time as this. So again, Esther had to step up and do something that was usually not done, because if you entered the king's presence, there was a uh, decree that you would be killed instantly if the king didn't extend his scepter and you were able to touch it. And that basically was him saying, you can enter. But if not... It was just something you didn't do. But Mordecai encouraged Esther for such a time as this, you can save your people to stand in the gap for our behalf. So you can be sure that Esther had fear, self-doubt, worry, emotional suffering during this time. What if he kills me? Then she made she she just made the determination that even if I should die doing this, I'm going for it anyway. And so she continually trusted God and did good. And she went in and she approached the king 
And the king extended his scepter to her. She put her hand on it. And he said, I will give you up to 50% of everything in the kingdom. What do you want? She invited him to a banquet, three different nights. Finally, the king said, what is it that you really want? What do you really want? And finally, Esther revealed to the king what Haman had been doing and decreed to kill all of her people, including her, because this had a ramification on her as well. Long story short, the king ended up killing Haman on the same stick that he was going to use to impale Mordecai, her uncle. It flipped around on him. So it is, it's a very powerful story if you haven't read through uh, the story of Esther. A huge testimony again to how God does not waste suffering. Esther was an orphan, so she experienced abandonment, fear, worry, probably self-image issues as well. And look what God did. He took her and placed her in a position of royalty. And this is what he does to us because we are a royal priesthood, my friends, a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that he may declare, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his light. What is the darkness today? Don't waste your suffering. Look at God's track record in the stories we ex- we we read through today and and meditated on today, Noah, Joseph, Esther, to throw in a a, a bonus story, Rakshak and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter three, another great story. King Nebuchadnezzar built a gold idol. They wouldn't bow down to it. Um, again, there was someone behind the scenes that was the little conniving person behind the, the the scenes that was trying to get them trapped, got them trapped. King Nebuchadnezzar then threw them into the flames of the fire because that was the decree. You don't bow down to the statue, you're gone. And they continued to trust God. King de- declared as he was watching them in the fire, the fire was so hot, by the way, that his uh, soldiers were killed, even throwing the man because it was so hot. And the king noticed three men. There were actually four men walking in the fire. The fourth was like an angel. Perhaps it was their guardian angel. Perhaps it was the presence of Christ himself. When we walk through the fire and through the floods, God is with us. We are promised. They will not wash over us. So when they came out of the fire, they weren't even burned. They didn't even smell like fire. The the account says they didn't even smell at all like fire. Their clothes didn't smell that way. What was the ramification of this? God didn't waste the suffering. He actually used it to convert the heart of the king, so much so that he declared that no one in the land would live if they said anything against their God. So that's a revival, my friends. God does not waste our suffering. So what is it for you today that you want to bring before the mighty seat of God? You are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Whatever he calls you to, he will do it. That's a promise we have. So even though the fire seems very hot or the flood is very deep, whatever it is for you, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or physically today, 
Stand firm. Don't allow yourself to be burdened by the yoke of slavery. To casting your identity into your struggle. You are not your struggle. You are a child of the living God. And he invites you to lean in. Trusting that when you are in the fire, he walks with you. You are never alone. So don't waste your suffering. Your invitation for Earth School practice moving forward from this podcast is simple. Whenever you experience any form of suffering, something in your mind, in your body, in your emotions, in your spirit, as quickly as possible, lift it up. Lord, I lift this inconvenience up to you. I lift this suffering up to you. I lift this frustration up to you for the sake of salvation of souls. For my brothers and sisters who are suffering around the world, I lift this suffering within me for their sake. Bring about a greater good than had this not even happened. And up my confidence, dear God, in your ability to bring about a greater good than had this inconvenience that I'm walking through right now, this momentary suffering. Help me to know that it's achieving for me an eternal glory that far outweighs it all. In your most precious name, I pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember the accounts that we explored today, the account of Noah, Joseph, Esther, Rakshak, and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3. Where do you recognize yourself in these stories that were shared today? The scriptures will be posted under today's podcast. Go back and read these scriptures and camp on the stories. Which story out of the four stories do you relate to the most with where you're at on your journey of life today? Look at the posturing of the person in that story, whether it be Esther, Joseph, Noah, Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, and ask for the grace to have that same faith and confidence in God's presence and ability to transform it into something beautiful. If for such a time as this, my friends, if for such a time as this, outshine the darkness. May God bless you with his strength, his courage, his wisdom. And may you know how much he adores you today. I look forward to our next podcast together. And again, you can find the scriptures at edgegodin.com under today's podcast entitled, Don't Waste Your Suffering.